So I just have to tell you that I know like I, I texted you, but I have to tell you with my voice that your uh, reviews of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier are giving me life. So thank you so much for those. I mean, it's cool you like them so much. I, I, I don't know how to respond. So thanks, I guess. <laughs> no, no. Hey, listen, take the compliment, dude. When do you when do you get them? You know, sure, um, sure. but uh, no, like it's especially having listened to your like your first episode with the podcast, like. I don't know, even in these episodes, you, like, you know, like, obviously you're co-hosting, you have notes and everything, but you can tell with the mini reviews, you're like, you're so relaxed and you're on it and you could, you could host your own show if you wanted to with that attitude. I'm like, damn. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, I'm just kind of going into them like, you know what, like, it's a little mini thing. There's not a lot of pressure. I'm trying to keep it, you know, short and sweet and uh, just talk about a show that I'm enjoying. So it's kind of fun. Yeah, I like the fact that we don't hear each other's opinions before we record it either. So, like, it's interesting to listen back and see what we both thought, like, was the same or, or different. And, you know, I don't even... Did I even mention for you to share your theories or no? Because you ended no. up sharing theories. No, exactly. And I you gave me no direction too. of what you wanted. I just started doing it. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. I'm glad, it, I'm glad it worked out. You have anything you want to get off your chest this week before we get into punk rock Jesus? No, not really. All right. Well, before we get into the episode, uh, do you think we have any new reviews? Ooh, um, I'm going to go out on a limb here. I'm going to go out on a limb and say no. Um, that's a very good guess, but it's actually incorrect this week. What? Yes. Can I, ch- can I, change, I, can I change my guess to one? <sighs> I mean, yes, you, you can't. I'm not going to edit it, so it sounds like you knew it, though, and just... I'm telling you right now. And I, you know, I'm going to go on a limb here and say one. Do it now. He did it. Edit it now. Yeah, he, he went for it. Okay. Yep. Oh, um, Ty, you're absolutely right, man. This yes. whole time, you were so correct. Woo. Um, now, I feel like we had the same amount of ratings, but it looks like this new one from Shabla Du, who we definitely don't know in real life. <laughs> With a name like that, I certainly hope not. Yeah. Not someone named uh, Leader trapace or anything um but uh this was left in early april so i feel like i didn't read this review yet isn't it early april oh yeah it was left on saturday so i definitely didn't read it <laughs> it's right, like, I was like, it's only the seventh it was even this. earlier april you have no idea how early april gets you fuck all right so <laughs> so five star review from shabla do a soulful experience nice. i listen to podcasts mostly while driving and i've been listening to this one to and from work lately just listened to the soul episode and i thought you guys touched upon some interesting takes on the movie i love the movie and i'm glad i heard you two talk about it five out of five would listen during my trip to slash from work again nice indeed very nice thank you very much for that um especially because I personally know there's a lot more to that review, but, <laughs> but <laughs> regarding just the soul episode, the podcast as a whole, you know, uh, I'm glad, I'm glad, I'm glad you're into it. Um, yeah, thank you. Random stranger that we definitely don't know. We appreciate your review. As you gallop off into the sunset on your majestic steed and uh, with your mask over your face. Yeah. Old Shabla do. Old Shabla do. Shabla do of the West, baby. That's right. That's right. Um, <laughs> Are you ready to get into the episode and bring in that theme music, Ty? Oh, let's bring it on in. Hey, 
Welcome to another episode of the Politipop Podcast, the podcast where we read between the lines of your favorite pop culture media and discuss the social and political themes within. I am your co-host, Mike Booch, a.k.a. the Soy Boy Pseudo-Intellectual, a.k.a. Funk Rock Jesus, a.k.a. Judas and the Fat Messiah. And as always, I'm thrilled to be joined in my second seat by my co-host, Ty. Hello. Ty, I have a question for you. I have an answer. Have you listened to the theme song to the podcast? (laughs) You, you, sweet summer child asking me this. Of course, the answer is clear that I have most definitely considered listening to the theme song. I I considered it. I thought about it last week when you asked me, and Mm -hmm. uh, I got sidetracked, you know? It happens. It happens. You know, sometimes we mean to listen to the theme song. Sometimes we get, you know, we get busy. Uh, Even if you've listened to the mini reviews that we've put up, uh, I don't put the theme song in those, actually. So so. if you want, you can listen to those. This is like the little drummer boy challenge of Christmas, you fuck. (laughs) Try to avoid the theme song at all costs. Good, because I really wanted to listen to those mini reviews because I haven't heard yours. And uh, I just didn't want to hear the theme music. They're fun. They're fun. Definitely do. Uh, if you had to hazard a guess as to what our theme song sounds like, what what would what would your guess be? I'm thinking it's like uh, it, it's like some sort of like religious music, like like Christian rock with a Christian. Okay, so yeah. uh, <clears throat> so like Scott's. Da- all right. Listen to Papa. Nino 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 with the Butch and Tyler takes her. Something like that. Yeah, I, I, I would think that's exactly yeah. what it sounds like, actually. Or, actually, P.O.D. was Christian rock, too, right? We, we are, we are. Soy boy commies, we are, we are. Here comes the Zoom. Recording podcasts over the internet. Here comes the Zoom. <laughs> that was good. Nice. Uh, that's, that, that's that mini review energy, baby. <laughs> Bring, yeah. it Bring it in. Bring it in. Uh, um, uh, but yes, uh, today we are reviewing... Sean Murphy's Punk Rock Jesus. This is a graphic novel that will go over the plot in a few seconds. About, <laughs> but uh, do we want to do we want to talk about God before we start? Do we want to talk about punk rock before we start? What do we want to do? We didn't plan any of this. No, I th- I think I agree. I think we should talk about some stuff beforehand. I don't even know if God so much is in the important part here as Jesus Christ Himself. You know. Though if you know you ask certain Christians, God and Jesus are the same person, but that's not always been the yeah, case. Yeah, I um, yeah, I'm not caught up on on the reboots uh, and what what's still in canon and what's not in canon <laughs> with that that story. Well, I, I can tell you that the Trinity is never mentioned in the New Testament, and it was a more modern take on Jesus Christ and God, which is kind of interesting Wait, so to in think the New about. Testament- they don't have uh, Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman. No, they're actually not in it. They they came into second printing later on. Oh, okay, yeah. After uh, Siegel and Schuster got their hands on that's right on the Book of Abraham or whatever. Um, yeah, I think it's important to note that if you are listening to this and you do subscribe to a certain faith, um, I, I'm not going to go all Bill Maher on it and be like, "What you what you believe in is stupid." You know, you've you've heard my takes on religion before. The whole reason my family comes from a place called the Dominican Republic is because Dominican priests came over there uh, after, you know, Columbus uh, made landfall and decided to massacre those people until they believed in God. So, 
Uh, already, you know, this is a complicated history uh, with Christianity. I am always blown away, but not, I guess I'm, I'm not, I'm not surprised, but it does make me ponder, like, why do people of color subscribe to, uh, you know, Christianity or, or any... Uh, I mean, you know, G- Jesus also appears in the Quran, you know, so it's not strictly just a, a Christian belief, you know, he's also considered, you know, the, the most gifted of, of prophets and that, you know, just like in Christianity, they believe he's going to actually come back at the end of times and kill the Antichrist and save us from annihilation. So, you know, there's there's definitely like a lot of similarities between Christianity, um, you know, and and those of, you know, uh, Islamic faith yeah. and it, it, so uh, it's interesting. the big 3 is or the Abrahamic religions. Yeah. Yeah, you know, so it's like it, it's interesting because it definitely like, you know, goes uh, across a lot of different uh, you know, religious beliefs here, but you know, obviously Jesus is most often associated with Christianity and um you know, there's there's also like the historical significance of him, right? So, like, almost all historians believe he really was a real person, that he did exist. You know, whatever your your beliefs on religion are, you know, that he was an actual historical figure, and that's that's kind of interesting in itself, right? Yes, it is, uh, because there you know there are a lot of stories in the Bible that that do set themselves, you know, in like real times and stuff, and during you know uh, moments of history, uh, you know, real wars that have happened. So. In in the book in in Punk Rock Jesus, they say that there's no concrete evidence of Jesus having ever existed. But I don't know exactly what you know Sean Murphy's research was leading up to this book. Right, right. You know, let me be a little more specific then, because what I really mean is people in the United States, people of color in the United States, who you know when we talk about slavery and the fact that that slaves had to, or sorry, enslaved peoples had to learn how to respect respect God and become good Christians you know otherwise you know they were they were getting beaten and stuff like that so like just you know even just seeing how strong uh faith is in the black community uh to you know to that religion kind of I don't know I get it but it kind of makes me sad because like the history is just those religions have been used to to oppress those you know those people you know they've been used to oppress my people in the past and um, but it is, you know, regardless, it's a part of many cultures. And as they mention in the book, uh, you know, the United States is like the most one of the most Christian nations on the planet. Right. Right. I mean, I think, you know, religion is important for a lot of people because, A, it gives them a moral meter, which I know we've spoken about, you know, off mic that it's interesting that people need religion to give them morality, right. You know, to to do the right thing. But I think it's, it's something that helps them kind of keep true to that. Um, you know, having that faith. And I think it's also something that gives you, uh, relief from the fear of death and what comes after, you know? So for a lot of people, they really need that. And, you know, for, for enslaved individuals or, or, you know, as people of color in this country in general, I do think that maybe they felt, you know, like Christians who had, you know, uh, hurt them or, or abuse them were, were actually like kind of abusing the faith, so to speak, you know, and that wasn't what really, you know, God would really want. And by, by keeping that faith, you would kind of triumph, triumphantly, you know, succeed in the end and, and go to heaven. Cause that's what it's all about in the end, right? It's like, whatever happens on earth happens on earth, but you want to make it to heaven. It's like the sweet, you know, afterlife party that everybody wants to go to. And, 
you know. Yeah, you want to go to Kingdom Come. You want to go to the afterlife. Like that's and, cool. You know, <laughs> yeah, and 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 just like you said that you know there are people who have misused the faith. There, you know, there are also uh, countless examples of of people you know using their faith to to do good. And and you know I think that while I do think that people should do good just for the sake of doing good, it's it's also nice to see to see individuals you know, not using their faith to to oppress others. And those people are just good people and they're moral people and they kind of use their religion to bolster that. But, you know, I think regardless, you know, if you're the person who lost weight because because God gave you the strength or you're the person who helped the homeless because God told you to or you're the person who stopped smoking because God gave you the strength, that's 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 you know, that's great that you did those things. You know, but I think you're not giving yourself enough credit. I think you're stronger than than you believe. Definitely, yeah. And I, I, you know, I don't think we're we're not coming at this to to shake anyone's beliefs or or make them, you know, not religious. So if you're listening to this, yeah, you like are, I said, feel free to yeah. hang around. You it's know, not Bill Maher. <laughs> no, it's not. You know, we're here to discuss this comic and kind of what it means. To, I know what it means to me and and uh, you know why I like it. And I I think that it definitely takes some some stances, but it's not necessarily just like anti-religion either, you know, even though it may come off like that at first. Um, but yeah, so I don't, I don't think anyone needs to, needs to feel like attacked, you know, if they want to listen to this. And, you know, I, I'd like to discuss my own background, uh, you know, in religion and, and where I am today. So, you know, I was raised Catholic. My, my whole family is Catholic. Um, I, you know, I took, uh, I took CCD classes, which were like, you know, religious classes you would take a couple times a week. You would study the Bible and go over, you know, learn about Jesus and the church and yada, yada, yada. You know, we would go to church every Sunday. Um, and I made my communion. But uh, shortly before my, I would have made my confirmation, I guess I was around 12, 13 years old, I... I decided I no longer wanted to go. I just, I wasn't interested. And, you know, as a kid, obviously you're, you get kind of bored in church and, you know, it's hard to keep your interest, but I was at that Quick age. question. Was that before or after your house burned down around Christmas? That was before. Oh, it was before. Well, that's why it fucking happened. Because <laughs> <laughs> you gave up on yeah. God. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Your house. Basically, you know, when, when my family, uh, when my dad came out as gay, you know, my family moved. My mom moved us to South Carolina where she had a good friend living. And we tried to get like a fresh start there. And it, it really didn't work out. It's, you know, it was, it was tough. My mom's car broke down. It was really hard to find a job without transportation. There wasn't a lot of public transport in the area. Yada, yada, yada. So ultimately we decided to move back to New York. And uh, we were we were really broke, so my mom, you know, went to the Catholic Church and asked for help, you know, see if they could give us enough donations to get, you know, like a U-Haul truck to drive back. And the priest was very rude, and he basically told my mom she made a horrible mistake. She went from the frying pan into the fire, and that by helping her, what would he be doing? He would just be sending her back to New York to struggle there. So he refused to help us. And uh, it was actually a, a Protestant church that uh, my mom's. Uh, friend went to that raised money from its community and gave us enough money to move back and you know and i think that was really uh kind of shocking and eye-opening to my mom and, and and to even me at that age and you know we kind of were like wow the catholic church shunned us but a church we're not even you know belonging to was willing to raise money to help us out and help my family out so you know from that point forward my mom kind of became a non-practicing catholic um, and I kind of started to shun religion. She should have become a Protestant, shit. Yeah, she should have, right? <laughs> uh, I just started to kind of shun religion altogether. And I think when I read this comic for the first time, I was kind of at a point where, I don't know, what was it, 2012, 2013 maybe, 
you know, I was, I was probably, uh, I was just getting out of college or right, you know, in college. And I think I was really hardcore atheist at that point, you know, I was like, fuck religion. I remember having long talks into the middle of the night with you about religion. And, you know, it just, uh, I was very, very anti God, I guess. And, you know, I, I wanted to kind of like, you know, just make sure people knew that I did not believe in religion and I didn't want, you know, them to believe in it either. And then I, I got a little older and I started calling myself agnostic because I, I am open to a lot of, I, or I opened up to a lot of new new experiences, not so much God necessarily, but more things about the universe, energy, you know, uh, things like that. And, you know, I felt it was important to note that I wasn't, you know, so much not convinced that something could be out there. I just wasn't convinced that it was what, you know, religion was telling us. And that's kind of where I'm at today. You know, I, I still, I, I don't necessarily believe in God and I'm, and I'm not religious, but I do believe in energies. I believe in good energy and bad energy. I think those, those things kind of stay, you know, I think if you have a, you know, a, let's say a, a horrible, horrible crime committed in a place, I think there can be some dark energy left over there. And I, I do believe in those kinds of things. Uh, and I think that's kind of left me in a different place. So rereading this comic to talk about on the podcast has been a very interesting experience for me. And I, I enjoyed it just as much, if not more. But I feel like I got a little bit more out of it this time. I definitely enjoyed it more this time, just uh, based off the fact that I am more aware of, you know, of the faults of our country. Or I, I don't even want to say the faults, but just more aware of the reality of the world right. as, as, a, as a whole, I guess. And um, you know, my experience with uh, with religion, it goes back before me. You know, obviously I mentioned the, you know, the Dominican priests coming to Hispaniola, but, you know, my father was raised mostly by his grandmother and she was, I don't know what exactly she believed in, but she, you know, believed in God and she believed in not sparing the rod. So she would beat the shit out of him uh, oh. regularly as a kid, you know, thinking that it was some sort of discipline. And uh, for whatever reason, he still chose to believe in God, uh, despite constantly being beaten in his name uh, growing up. And, you know, between he and my, my mother, I think she was a Roman Catholic. I, I, I don't know. I don't know the specifics, um, of, <laughs> you know, the different uh, branches. But she, uh, you know, and if, if you're out there wondering, why am I not explaining this to you on the podcast? You had a week to let me know. Anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I did believe in in God growing up, and we I remember we went to this this guy's house. His name was Pastor Don, and he was in uh you know in Smithtown. And I remember we would go to him every weekend. And my favorite thing about the service was that there was always refreshments afterwards. So I would go, and I couldn't wait to have like they had like they weren't Slim Jims, but they were some like a better version of Slim Jims, and they were delicious. Nice, they were my favorite thing. Slim Jims in the blood of Christ. <laughs> Dude, there doesn't get better than that. <laughs> Snap it to the savior. <laughs> like, um, oh, Macho Man comes back. Look at him. Oh, go. man. Macho Man coming. <laughs> That's right. The blood of Christ. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, to keep it short, when my father got partial custody of me, he, uh, you know, he wasn't able to take me in. So he sent me to live with some people who also went to that church, a.k.a. this guy's house. And uh, so I lived with them for probably two weeks. I, it might have been longer. I don't remember because I was like six years old, seven years old. I was very young. And I remember the day they were supposed to give me back to my father was Easter Sunday. And oh, by the way, uh, happy Easter, everybody. It just happened uh, you know, this past Sunday. It did. That's why, that's why I picked this book in honor of uh, Jesus Christ. Long may he reign. Oh, no, that's Game of Thrones. But 
there was some sort of falling out with my father and and this 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 congregation, this church, I don't even know what to call it because it was some dude's house. There was some sort of falling out and they said uh Michael can't come in for like our Easter party. And it was a chilly day. I'm there, you know, little kid, my Sunday best, I got my tie, I got my little button-down shirt and I don't remember having a coat. And the family who took me in, they said, "Okay, you're going to have to wait out here for your father." And this before cell phones like became a big thing before everybody had one. Wow. So they kept me in there and I remember, you know, knock, they kept me out there. Excuse me. I remember knocking on the door and literally they would open it and there was the smell of food. There was warmth. There was music. And they were literally like partying. And I'm like, hey, you know, can, can I come in? They're like, you can't, you know, your father's going to come soon. You got to wait for him. And that was and that was that. Even after that, I still did choose to believe in God. I would pray every night. Um, but I don't know, somewhere, somewhere along the way, I guess just, I don't know, opening my mind, expanding my horizons. And I'm not saying that sound like, oh, I'm a genius and I recognize more things. It's not really the case, but, um, I've come to my own personal conclusion that there is no fathomable way that any religion I've heard of to this point has it right. And I'm not denying some greater play at work. I'm not denying that there's a divine creator. I just figure if a divine creator did make us, they wouldn't care about us that much. You know, if you take a if you take a shit in the woods and then leave it and bacteria grows on it and then somewhere in that bacteria like there's a whole colony of, you know, you wouldn't know, right? You would just go about your your day, right? So for all I know, we are just, you know, bacteria on a piece of shit that a divine creator left in, you know, in the universe somewhere. But that is and, God. And yes, and um, there's no reason why that divine creator would give a fuck who marries who. Yeah. Or, yeah. Um, or you know, or, or promote slavery or say that if you rape a woman that you're supposed to take her as your wife. Like, there's no way a God cares that much about the the pet the petty lives of us mortals. So, you know, that's where that's where every major religion loses me because it's this act is a sin, that act is a sin, blah, blah, blah. So 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 I'm definitely not denying the existence the existence of something, but in my opinion, everything that's been made up to this point has been man made has been man made and therefore serves man. Well I think that's that's kind of the key. You know, all these religious texts are you know, the Quran supposedly written by Muhammad the prophet, but you know, in general, just these these are all written by people, right? And they change. They change throughout time. They change depending on who's who's in charge. Whether you know it's a king, uh, like a King Constantine. You know, he he uh, Emperor Constantine. He he basically changed. You know, the the text a, a whole bunch. You know, I think I think the Trinity actually started to kind of come into uh, into formation under him. So. You know, it's it it really just depends who's in charge and and what they want to add or subtract. And Bill Finger or, and Bob Kane. Yeah, and exactly. And Joel Schuster. <laughs> yep. And hold on, I got this. Uh, uh, Marsden. What was the guy's name who who invented Wonder Woman? Oh come on, man. William you're, something Marsden. You're the Wonder Woman fan. You're you're you let me down. Am I? <laughs> you know, I'm not opposed to her. I like that. I like that. She came out of a polyamorous relationship, but and that's how she was created. <laughs> you love Gal Gadot. Come on. Man. 
Oh, I'm going to throw up. Um, but but yes, yeah, so, uh, let's get back to Constantine, Emperor Constantine. Yeah, he started to change things. And No, yeah, I mean, I just, I think that, again, these are all man-made and they change throughout the years. And there's things that have been added and, and subtracted and changed depending on who who's in charge and who wants the people to come, that comes after them to know about it. So it's, it's hard to know, you know, uh, if, if this stuff is real, what... Even if it is, what is actually the real part of it? Or part of it, you know, what a part of its origins uh, are actually seeped in what would be the true religion? So it, it's kind of hard to, to know, right, you know, with that. And so, it, it, you know, it's hard to follow this stuff uh, to a T when you read these, these kind of, you know, scriptures and, and know what's, what's really accurate. And I only have a cursory knowledge of you know, what punk rock entails. Right. But from what I understand, from from its inception, you have you have people who are angry and shouting out against power. And, you know, like because it became big in the UK first, like, you know, they're ta- they're speaking out against the royal family and stuff. And yeah. yeah, they are the descendants of like the original colonizers, the original slavers. Like, you know, they are super fucking corrupt. I don't care if they have amazing weddings. So, you know, it's it's pretty fucking awesome that like that you know that's your origins of punk rock i'll include some videos in the show notes and sources that i found on youtube um the only thing i really don't like is they talk about how like it was a you know they it goes back to the origins of people like elvis with rock and roll and not acknowledging chuck berry or right right you know the black contribution to to music and especially protest music like they like there's you know they're, they're so very much intertwined in that like just any genre that's awesome is is the voiceless having a voice and speaking truth yeah, to power. Yeah, and, and, and punk's known for being, you know, anti-establishment kind of, uh, you know, like I don't want to say low budget, but so, like like self-produced. You, you can know, say, you can say low budget. Yeah, yeah you know, it's absolutely. not it's not supposed to be this big like, hey, we're going to the Grammys, right? It's it's more of like, you know, fuck the man, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna speak our truth, and you know, if you want to listen, you're gonna listen. If not go to hell you know so i yeah. i think that's kind of and you know hearing punk rock jesus is such an, an interesting uh, combination that's something you would ever expect and a funny story um sean murphy actually when he was bringing this comic to dc he fully expected to change the name because he thought it was silly and uh you know he told that to i believe the editor that was discussing bring you know by you know getting the project from him and they were like, are you kidding me? It's called Punk Rock Jesus. You can't change that name. Like, no one will ever forget it, you know? And it, it's true. It's such a memorable title. And he said it was probably the greatest decision uh, he you know, he ever made was keeping that title because people will never forget that name. It's it's so, uh, so ingrained in you. And, you know, I think the last thing I, I'd like to mention before we really get into the, com- into the comic is, you know, Jesus Christ, you know, whatever your beliefs are about him, I think the one universal thing that people seem to believe is that he was a good person, right? You know, he, whether he was doing miracles or just helping, you know, the poor and disenfranchised, the sick, um, you know, he, he was known for just being a good person who, who didn't believe in, you know, uh, the 1%, I guess, right? Like he, he definitely, he tried to, to, do the right thing and make a difference in the lives of people who really needed it. And I think that's, you know, whether you're reading the Quran or the Bible or talking about the historical, you know, significance of him, that's kind of what he's known for. You know, Jesus is the is one of the most punk rock figures of all time. 
because, you know, like you said, he was anti-establishment. He hung out with the lepers. He hung out with the sick people. He hung out with the whores. Yeah. You know, and, you know, he hated the bankers and capitalism. He believed everybody should have have human rights regardless. Like and, and you know, also, he's a he's a you know, he has a humble origin. He was you know, he was born in a stable to to a carpenter and became a carpenter himself. Like, you know, J- Jesus is the most punk rock figure ever and for people who tout his name today uh you know for people to tout his name today and use it to deny people health care and deny people rights is just incredibly disgusting you know it's uh, it's 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 fucked up yeah <laughs> I, don't, I don't i don't have to a better say the least yeah no definitely you know that being said knowing where we stand on on religion um you know, at a very cursory <laughs> glance, let's let's get into it. Uh, there's a spoiler alert in full effect, folks. We are about to go deep on Sean Murphy's Punk Rock Jesus. So if you do not want anything spoiled, please leave now and come back afterwards. Or forever hold your peace. Forever hold it. And for those of you who are still here listening, get ready for Ty to give you the plot. What would Jesus do? J2 has created the ultimate reality show stunt. Create a human clone from DNA lifted off a shroud of Turin, implanted into the womb of a virginal teen mom, and give birth on live TV to a boy who could be the second coming of Jesus Christ himself. The kid called Chris is an instant superstar. His every waking moment recorded and broadcast to billions of faithful viewers, religious zealots either love or hate the show, angry politicians debate its influences, and scientific community fear its implications. But when Chris discovers the sinister secrets of his own creation, he becomes a rebel with a cause. And a guitar. If he decides to take his system-smashing message to the masses, can even the combined forces of religious fundamentalism and corporate greed defeat the power of punk? Alright, so we want to do characters or we want to do story? I literally have it in front of me. I don't care. We're going all over the place. I think we should just start... Uh... Alright, man. Let's talk Let's talk Thomas. Because he's the first one in the whole story. Yeah, why not? Um... Yeah, Thomas McHale, otherwise known as the Cemetery, is a is a is a boy turned man. Uh, he's a boy turned man after being raised as an IRA as an IRA member by his uncle, uh, following in the tradition of, or he believes in the tradition of his father. And uh, for those of you who don't know what the IRA is, uh, in short, they were uh, the Irish Republican Army. They were uh, formed to gain independence from British rule. Uh, eventually, a treaty was signed in Ireland that split um, that that split Ireland between between the Brits, and uh, this actually caused a rift uh, in the IRA. I believe there was also the IRB, the Irish Republican Brotherhood, and um, you know that's where we have you know brothers fighting brothers uh, is is a huge history in in Ireland, and uh, you know one of our main characters has grown up in this civil war, grown up in a religious war. Also, it's a very, very bloody time, a very, you know, dangerous time. And, uh, you know, it's it's Catholics versus Protestants. And, uh, you know, like you said, brothers against brothers. And it's, it's you know, it's just a, it's a dangerous place to be living in, in a world to, to grow up in. And, you know, Thomas is just a small child when he's, you know, his family's attacked and uh, his parents are both killed. And he actually believes that he's the one that delivers the final shot. Right. Because his dad tells him to hide. Not to not to uh, open the door, and you know if anybody other than him comes to get him out, shoot them, and he'll call out to him. And his father's not able to call out to him because he's been shot in the throat, I believe. 
And, uh, you know, so Thomas winds up shooting his own father with, with the weapon that's given to him. And, uh, you know, his uncle shows up to kind of take him in and, and get him on this journey. And, you know, so we meet Thomas as he's brought on to day two as kind of the the security head, right, for the organization. And I think, um, in a, you know, in a way he's, he's kind of the main character. And I think, you know, his journey of... Of, that's a good point it's the book starts with him and ends with him yeah it's it's really about his journey not not chris not jesus it's it's more of you know what he what he experiences and how how it affects him and changes him and you know i i you know thomas comes off as very cold and deadly right he's he's kind of a badass he's like an action hero at first and you know he's really tall he's like six what six six or something like that and you know he's pure muscle he yes. drives a motorcycle yeah. like he's like he's really cool and i know sean murphy actually was writing a comic about him originally before he came up with punk rock jesus so he's kind of the inspiration for the comic but we see that thomas oh, really that's cool. you know is a good person you know he he faces some uh some decisions throughout his life that really change his actions and show like, who he is and you know uh we do find you know later on that he makes decisions when he's in the IRA that that ultimately kind of get him imprisoned because you know he doesn't want to hurt innocent people. You know we know that he goes to jail in the beginning. They, they mentioned that he went to prison for killing uh, several police officers and and a little girl. But you know when you actually find out the story, it's not so cut and dry as all that, right? You know it's it's more of his uncle and the IRA wants to 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 bomb you know, the, the police and, and cause destruction and, and fight for their freedom. And, you know, there's a school bus of children and Thomas is not willing to let them die. And that's like one of the first instances you see of him really kind of, you know, making a decision um, that that's not so much about his own self-interest, but about saving someone else. And, you know, ultimately he saves a lot of those kids, but not that one little girl. And I think that that really weighs on him, uh, weighs on him a lot. When I originally read it, I remembered it as, as a, uh like the whole school bus got killed. Um, <laughs> so I was, and it, I honestly remember it coming at a different point in the story. So I was reading it again and I'm like, did they change the story? So it wasn't <laughs> as strong. Like, cause I was reading a digital version. It's very possible. You know, the printing could have been changed, right. but, but no, yeah. Uh, you know, he does try to save the school bus full of children, despite, you know, his, his brotherhood's best efforts. You know, unfortunately one, one girl does, does die. And, uh, you know, when when he's in police custody, he gets told by the chief that uh, his father was actually uh, ready to break from the IRA and um, and his brother wouldn't have it. So yeah. his brother, you know, Thomas's uncle was actually the one who murdered his parents. Yeah. I mean, supposedly his father wasn't even actually in the IRA, more of just kind of worked alongside them. And he, oh, yeah, he, he, he had the training and didn't continue. it. Right. Yeah. But his brother was was basically threatening him. And so he decided to go into police custody to protect his family. Uh, but, it, you know, it's kind of a little silly, but he wanted one more night without uprooting their lives. And that's when ultimately, you know, his brother attacks him and kills him and, and kind of makes Thomas think that he, you know, he killed his own father and, and raises him to be this super soldier, more or less. Right. Because he knows, you know, what he's capable of. Even his father in these videos that he's watching mentions how like he can see what Thomas is capable of. Oh, and he knows yeah, without yeah. without the proper <laughs> training, he could be become you know basically a monster which is what he is for many years but there's still that that piece of him that still has you know morals and and chooses to again save these children and you know i think the fact that he gets these tattoos right of of 
uh, of crosses on his back for every victim that he that he takes also shows that he doesn't want to forget them, right? I don't think it's so much uh, like uh, like he's like proud of them. I don't think he's showing them off to be like, hey, I'm a badass. I think it's more of so he doesn't rem- he doesn't forget the lives that he's had to take for this mission. Yeah, and uh, you know they mention in the book that uh, I feel like they say the the uncle is the one explaining this to him. He says the IRA are terrorists, and it's weird because I don't think anybody act any group any freedom fighter group considers themselves to be terrorists but just because that name is that title has been thrown around a few times uh the actual definition of terrorism is well uh, not the actual definition i'll give you my version of it um, but but basically <laughs> pretty cocky of you <laughs> benny and the jets is going to be up my ass um but uh but it was when i was uh, researching asada shakur who's now you know in in cuba uh you know, as a fugitive from from the United States. Right. But her lawyer argued that terrorism is when a group attacks civilians to attain a political goal. So, you know, the IRA originally starting out as fighting, fighting out British rule, fighting, fighting the power like that's not terrorism. But once in civilians do start getting involved, yes, that is terrorism. The Black Panthers, no, they were not terrorists. Even right. if you kill a cop, you know, a cop, unfortunately, you know, for better or worse, is is an employee of the state. They are the state and the state is who you are fighting. So but but yeah, at this point, you know, Tom, you know, Thomas admits that that he that he was a terrorist. And Thomas's entire story tells us about the dangers of blind idealism. Absolutely. And Chris's does too, but you know, but Thomas is very aware of it. You know, he's very aware of of what this can do, and we see that idealism all throughout this story. In um, what were uh, what were the uh, the religious nuts? The NAC. The NAC. Yes. Yeah. Um, but we'll talk about them in a in a sec. We could talk about them right after Thomas actually, yeah, because yeah. you know another thing, like you said, he never will he will never kill again. But he'll beat the shit out of some people. He has rubber bullets. He'll yeah. bludgeon them. He'll maim he'll, them. He'll he'll. he'll, he'll bring, he's like Batman. He'll fucking destroy your <laughs> wife, but he won't take it. So. No talk. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you know, he made this this religious promise, right? To, uh, to I think to marry herself, right? He believes that he saw her when he was in prison, and that you know she she basically made him swear never to take another life again, or he would go to hell. And, you know, he, he promised never to do it. And he really believes this. He really believes that if he kills again, he will go to hell. And I think that's, that's really terrifying for him. Um, you know, and I, I think uh, he, he's going to do everything he can not, not to go to hell, obviously. But, you know, as the story progresses, we see him, he makes some choices that are for other people. And it kind of puts his promise in jeopardy because he has to choose between, you know, the promise he made in prison and promise that he made to a friend and uh you know just seeing kind of his arc of someone who's who distanced himself so much from people in the very beginning to how close he becomes with with chris chris's mother you know it's it's uh it's quite a journey for him he is just one of many characters who all have good intentions right but are working for those who do not and uh you know, if that ain't capitalism in a nutshell, I don't know <laughs> yep, what it is, right? Exactly. 
you know, you have, uh, you know, you have Thomas who believes he can make good on his promise to the Virgin Mary by by protecting this new incarnation of Christ, the second coming of Christ. And you have Epstein, Dr. Epstein, who's working on it. No relation to Jeffrey. Uh, Dr. <laughs> Dr. Epstein, who's working on this project so that way she can get the funding to literally save the world because, you know, the environment is so it's so fucked. They acknowledge global warming or climate change, whatever you want to call it in, in here. And um, by the time the meat and potatoes of the story takes place, it's 2020 and Manhattan is underwater. Yeah. I mean, they, they take a very <laughs> – it's an interesting stance, right? Because, you know, a lot of it's about religion, but a lot of it's about science. And, you know, the, the fact that this is even happening is thanks to science, thanks to cloning. And uh, like you said, Epstein is – she she has good intentions. She really wants to save the world. You know she she doesn't want to hurt anybody. You know she loves Chris. Um, she you know Chris even actually has a twin sister that is supposed to be murdered at birth, and only her and uh, you know Slate, who we'll talk about in a little bit, the the head oh, of yeah. the head of J two know about, and she she saves her, uh, and basically you know fakes her own pregnancy to, to take care of this child. So she has a lot of empathy. You know, Epstein definitely has a lot of empathy and, and she really does think she's doing the right thing. But, you know, she she single-handedly creates this. Without her, they're not able to make this show. They're not able to make, you know, Chris. And you, you have to wonder the effects it would, you know, it would would have had if had she not made this decision to kind of compromise, I think, her own morality uh, and values to to accomplish her goals. She's very much a utilitarian character, as in, like, the ends do justify the means. She's very Dr. Halsey. Yeah. From Halo. She is very Dr. <laughs> Halsey. You're right. Um, you know what? So, actually, we just kind of went into Dr. Epstein. You want to talk about her? I mean, you already did talk a lot about her, but I, I do want to talk about, you know, just the fact that she, you know, she is a genius. Uh, she is able to clone polar bears, in the book, she names them uh, Cola and Coke. I feel like the real Dr. Epstein wouldn't have done that. I'm going to put in the show notes and sources just uh, about all the horrible <laughs> shit around the world and environmental uh, issues that Coca-Cola is responsible for. Humanitarian it's issues. It's probably ironic. And what? Do you think it maybe was? Maybe it's ironic. Do you think it was? Yeah, maybe. I'm not sure if, I'm I not sure if Sean would have known back then, though. That That's very true. It could have been just Sean Murphy being like, hey polar bears and, and coca-cola Cola, you know? yeah so, exactly yeah. and like and you know if it is if it is ironic then yeah you can just talk about you know how strong marketing is to the point that we now associate polar bears with coca-cola yeah despite the fact that they're dying oh and that's the whole point of why it is polar bears that she's that she clones by the way because they are an endangered species and you know she 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 is a very very smart woman and like you said she's a moral woman as well she objects verbally to a lot of the stuff that Slate uh, does, such as, you know, giving Gwen. Gwen is the quote unquote, the Virgin Mary in the story, the mother of uh, Chris. Uh, you know, they give her uh, they give her breast enhancements. They give her a nose job. They uh, facilitate her addiction to alcohol. And, um, you know, while while Dr. Epstein is is so against all of this, she still believes that her work is going to be for the greater good and she has to save the world at any cost. And, you know, just we see from an outside perspective because we get to see all of the characters and we really get to, you know, we get to judge her her actions. But I don't I'm not 100 percent certain she's wrong. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to tell. We don't you know, I don't think we get to see the 
the very end, you know, whether she does save the world. But, you know, even right off the, the from the very beginning, they kind of they talk about the cloning process itself and how, you know, they ask why it's taken so long to, to clone a human. Uh, you know, and they ask if it's more difficult than cloning, you know, say a sheep or a polar bear. Oh, yes. I right. And and she says it's no more difficult than, you know, it, it'd be more difficult to clone an ear of corn. It has longer DNA chains, but it's the morality and legality of it. And so they decide to actually do the cloning process in international waters uh, to get away with it. And, it, you know, just, just right off the bat, you see she's willing to kind of bend the rules a little bit just to kind of even get this done. Um, but you know, again, she, she's a genius and, uh, no one else has been able to do this. So, you know, she's, she's so important. You see like all of these characters kind of become so, so vital to the, to J2 and to the television show itself, um, which just shows, you know, the power of, of television, of marketing, of, of capitalism. Yeah. I mean, Chris even says later on that he was created by them. Like he is a product. You know, he is late stage capitalism. He is yeah. a product of what happens when you have constant idea of American exceptionalism and and, uh, you know, morality, quote unquote, that's based on religion. Right. You know, I don't even think like, for example, if I were Dr. Epstein, I wouldn't have said that it's immoral to clone a person. I mean, we like we make life all the time. And, you know, whether or not like you if you want to judge whether or not that's immoral, then, you know, it's I feel like it's on the same level of doing it with, you know, with science. And, right. you know, she does she does treat Chris like a human being the whole time uh, and her and her own daughter, who is also a clone. We find out later on, um, you know, whereas Slate continues to call Chris the clone. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, you know, it just reminds me of just like all the stuff that uh that religion has been used as an excuse for to stop. You know, when we talk about, let's say, abortion rights and Planned Parenthood and all the t- and all the struggles they've had to go through, and it's always based off of religion. I haven't, you know, I haven't heard an argument that against abortion that's just like that's just like, oh, you know, he, you know, here's why. It's always in the Bible. It says this, or God says this, or God says that, or whatever. Um, and we both, and we always know that that just is that that's just a dog whistle, that that's not the real problem. You don't really have a, you know, because when that kid's born into a life of poverty and ends up turning to crime, you have no problem putting that kid on death row later. So, you know, you have no problem depriving the single mother of resources who had to have that kid. You know, you have no problem. I was, I grew up uh, standing in lines at the Department of Social Services because my parents were not ready to have children. You know, I grew up having to, having to suffer the emotional baggage of two mentally ill drug addicts because... They, you know, they had to have a kid, even though they weren't ready to. Um, you know, that being said, I'm glad I'm here today, folks. It's a good time. Thank <laughs> God my dad's terrible at pulling out. But, <laughs> but you know, that's it's. Um, I, I'm not a fan of people who equate morals with faith. You yeah, know? yeah. You shouldn't need that to to tell you what's right and wrong. Now, now those who do equate morals with faith in this in this story specifically, we have the NAC, the New American Christians, and uh, they are kind of a combination of all of the worst extremist religious groups in one. Uh, you know, Sean makes it a point to mention that they are, you know, that they're very much like, you know, NRA gun-toting folks. Uh, he also makes it a point to put the bumper sticker, God hates F-words, uh, which is, you know, he puts it all over the all over the vehicles that belong to the NAC in this story. And at the time, uh, Westboro Baptist Church was very big, and that was their 
uh, primary slogan. They, I think their website was actually godhatesfwords.com. And by mm. F-words, I mean the homophobic slur for gay men. Right. So, you know, so Sean makes it makes it a point to to kind of show the, ex, you know, the extremes of of all groups here, which is very Frank Miller of him. Early Frank Miller. Of him, yeah. I should yeah. Say. <laughs> you know, that's very much what Dark Knight Returns was. And uh, we'll see. We'll see if I can get you to review it in Batman month. If not, I have plenty of other great things to review. We'll see. We'll see, uh, folks. <laughs> uh, did you have anything else to say about Dr. Epstein or the NAC or, or anything else? No, no. Maybe we'll talk about Gwen a little bit. Uh, you know, so so Gwen is the the virgin chosen to carry Chris on the show. You know, she's going to give birth to the new Jesus Christ, and she's an eighteen year old girl um, who I think gets in over her head, right? And she's she's convinced that this is going to be you know a great thing to do, and she comes on the show, she gives birth on uh, live on television, and spends basically the rest of her life for the most part you know locked uh, on this island this prison um where she you know takes care of her son and and is always being followed by tv cameras and you know we see gwen really kind of change as she gets older she gets very depressed she becomes an alcoholic um you know she you can argue she becomes a bad mother at times right you know there's there's well, she a, thinks so for yeah. certain and and they play that a uh, a lot to the advantage of the show. Yeah, I mean, it's remember, it's all a reality show. So the more drama, the better. And uh, you know, even though it's supposed to be an alcohol-free island, Slate, you know, uh, slips her alcohol, and uh, you know, she she just goes downhill very quickly. And um, you know, to the point where she finally decides that she wants to visit her parents. Her parents have never come to see her, or Chris, and you know, she wants to escape, and she winds up going on this journey with Thomas, where they bond. And you see, you know. Gwen is very full of life, actually, and it and it it's kind of sad that it's been taken from her by the show, by capitalism, you could say, and you know she's she's just she's really suffering uh, under these conditions because she was bar- you know barely an adult herself when when put into the situation. Yeah, let me. I just want to talk about that real quick because she made a life altering decision at 18 years old, and that decision was based off nothing more than financial instability. We right. find out that she wanted her parents to be able to pay their mortgage, and that's why she signed up for this. She signed up for it for you know to so her parents could could live happily, uh, you know, and financially, you know, secure for the rest of their lives, and then they never ever see her again. And you know, once again. Let me take it back to the abortion argument, right? Yeah. A kid was forced to have a, a kid, and it changed her entire life. Yeah. Uh, oh, and I also want to talk about the alcoholism real quick, uh, because, like you said, Slate is the one who facilitated her alcoholism. She's going through postpartum depression, right. and he did it on purpose. And this is a very common practice in reality TV shows. We have shows like The Bachelor. I know it's a little bit older, but Jersey Shore, you know, every iteration of the real world. And there are show, and these these are shows that they intentionally choose people who are not super stable to uh, to to be on. They cast those people, and then they they provide the alcohol and encourage them to drink. They encourage them to to get shitty. And I have an article uh, from from Vice News that I'm putting in the show notes and sources about a specific show where uh, a sexual encounter happened between two people on the cast. And one of them was definitely passed out because she was too drunk. And the camera crew didn't step in to do anything. They just recorded. They had their sound, you know, and that was it, which we see 
in this book too, right? When Chris tries to walk on water because he thinks he's Jesus, he falls into the water and and they're they're just recording. Nobody's rushing in to save him. Nobody rushes in to get to get in the way at all. The rea- the, the the camera crews just have to watch because like everyone else, they're doing a job. Right. Uh, what does Gwen find when she actually gets home, though? So when Gwen and Thomas return to her home, they find that her parents are gone. They, uh, they've they abandoned this home. They've moved on. You know, and I, I think that really hits her hard, that they didn't even say goodbye, that she did all this to, to help them, you know, save their home, and they abandoned it. Um, you know, and, and Thomas tries to comfort her, you know, and, and says he could still find them if she wants. But I think it, <laughs> he can. <laughs> he can. He's that fucking good. Uh, but but you know, I think for her, the fact that they would just leave without saying anything to her, she doesn't want to find them anymore. You know, they're obviously they don't care enough about her, and you know, I think that it really it really hits her hard, and it it uh, it, it causes her to spiral. You know, in a lot of ways, even more so. I mean, she definitely takes it that way, and I'm not saying she's wrong. But also they note how the reason they had to leave the house was because they couldn't pay the mortgage. They used all that money they got to build a wall to keep themselves away from the media, which is very Princess Diana to me. Yeah. You know, there's uh, find any documentary, folks, if you want to learn about the People's Princess and how, you know, (laughs) she married into this shitty family and was very much like the media was was her number one enemy and and it ended up killing her and ended up taking her life because they weren't able to make the mortgage payments. They spent all that money on the wall. They had to leave. And to your point, they could have stopped by J2 and said hi, but also the NAC is always out front. They're always in the water. Like J2, right. it's, no matter how much they try to say it's a safe place, it's also a very dangerous place. It's a prison. I mean, it's, it's yes. reality. It's a prison. It is a prison. And yes. it's it's often... I think staged to seem like a safe haven. And I think some of these characters really believe it is for a time. Even Thomas believes it's a safe haven. Um, but you know, Gwen eventually comes to that realization that it's not, that it's, it's a very deadly place. And I think, uh, you know, Chris does too later on, but, uh, you know, it's, yeah, like you did mention that, that, you know, her parents may have had to leave cause they didn't have the finances. And, you know, these people here are very obsessed. It shows just, how obsessed people are with celebrities and and uh, and television because you know Thomas and and Gwen stop to get some food and they're bum rushed by a crowd of people um, who start pulling at Gwen's hair and trying to take pictures and and grab them and they comment on on her looks and how cute she is. Uh, not to mention that Slate actually had plastic surgery done on her uh, to make her more attractive. And, yep. you know, and, and Thomas gets her out of there and, and then they're attacked by the NAC and they, they just make it back, you know, into G2 just in time, which is then used to we- weaponize against them to say, hey, look how dangerous it is out there. You can never leave again. This is it. You're staying here forever. Oh, yeah, that fucking asshole. So, you know what? I want to talk about Slate now. Do we um, have to? So <laughs> I, I hate that we motherfucker. We really have to because he is an amazing character in that he is the embodiment of all the evils of capitalism and you know and and marketing and and you know the entertainment industrial complex i'm not sure if that's a term but let's call it one now he's he's america you know because he he will sell you anything he'll sell you religion he'll sell you you know miracles he'll he'll do whatever it takes to get those ratings and get that money yeah, and he gaslights the fuck out of everyone. Like I remember when um 
you know, when Gwen does come back with Thomas from their little outing and he says, you know, I was really thinking about about letting, uh, you know, about letting you out. And, and I was working on finding a safe place to do it. Right. A safe way to do it. Yeah. All of a sudden he was he's that parent who was totally lying. I was going to take you to Disney World, but now you fucked up. Yep, like, yep. He's that guy. Uh, what else? I mean, yeah, so he tries to kill a baby at the beginning. That's a big thing. And I thought they kept that for the end of the book, too. And then reading it again, I'm like, oh, fuck. They tell you straight up he's a baby killer. Yeah. Yeah, well, (laughs) which is also interesting because Epstein, you know, she witnesses this. And she's really the only character that knows the true evil of, of Slate, right? Who knows what he's really capable of. And I think they call her out on that in the I think Thomas does at Thomas the end does, of the book. Yeah. You know, he's like, if yeah. I if you had told me back then, you know, I would have fucking killed this guy basically. I would have you know, I would have stopped <laughs> yeah. him. But, you know, she keeps it to herself to to so that she can, you know, quote unquote save the world. And, you know, uh, all these other characters, like you said, are just he gaslights them, he manipulates them, you know, he uses them to build these ratings and, and he finds a way to turn every situation kind of into uh, a success right you know oh, uh, yeah the alcoholism of of uh of gwen. gwen he uses it to 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 convince the audience of miracles of chris that he can turn water into wine you know he even though it was just gwen accidentally pouring wine into her baby's bottle yeah he's you know he's fun. the ultimate opportunist and he just you know he makes he makes every situation work out for the best on the cameras and he knows just when to cut the cameras right when to hide this stuff and he makes it really seem like for at least the first you know quarter of the book that he's he's everyone's friend and ally and protector and you know he eventually starts taking more and more power it becomes you know a dictatorship he takes control of of uh, the security team he takes control of all the computers and and you know technicalities of the island and eventually you know everything runs through him yeah, he uh, he ends up finding out that him entrusting this project to others was a big mistake. You know, he he entrusted all the tech stuff to Tim, uh, who you know Tim is a is a black man uh, who you know points out his own blackness a couple times yeah. uh, in the story, and uh, you know it's cool to see we we got a black man working in tech, and uh, you know I could see another writer making making him security maybe, but but no, like he's the smart one. He's the yeah. one who you know, is able to control what happens on the island. And he also is, is willing to play the long game. Like, you know, he, he tells Thomas, like, you know, we gotta, we gotta wait, we'll get him. And Tim also serves as an ally to Chris. He, you know, he, he helps him work out. He, he helps him uh, hotwire the, the holographic uh, teaching room. So that way it doesn't only teach uh, dogma, but it teaches, it teaches science and it teaches history. And, uh, you know, despite the fact that, they, you know, lauded Abraham Lincoln as some savior. Yeah. I mean, he's cool. I, I like this character because he wasn't very, he wasn't fake, you know? Like, they even call him out on his dress code at one point. He's always wearing, like, Batman shirts, Superman shirts. And they're like, you know, we have a dress code here. And he's like, well, not for me. Like, like, like I'm going to wear what yep. I want to wear. And, like, when he has to work with Thomas, he basically, he gets Thomas a present. And he's like, all right, you can start by fucking thanking me because you're going to be an asshole to everybody else here, but not to me because we were going to work together. And we're going to be friends and we're not going to fucking, you know, put up with this, this cold act nonsense. And they actually kind of form a friendship, right? He's kind of the first one to really kind of open up Thomas a little bit. And uh, I think, you know, that's kind of like his, his skill set. He's able to kind of be really able to get friends with everybody and kind of be an ally to them. And another thing about uh, Slate real quick 
because because this this is important, especially you know when we've been talking about the working class and the culture war this past year. Uh, Slate he loves when the NAC comes to attack J two. You know he says that the ratings spike. That America loves watching Thomas kick their asses, and uh, you know even though. You know, even though it cost them money to, you know, pay all the legal bills and everything, legal fees, that he still, you know, it's still worth it because they make money from advertisers and, yep. and, and, you know, it all evens out. Like he is very much that, that, that mindset that the, you know, the U.S. government has and the, and the media apparatus, the mainstream media apparatus in that, you know, they want to keep us at war in the working class constantly. You know, they want to say, guess what? They're canceling Dr. Seuss and get the fucking conservatives mad over something that's not really happening. Um, and and then and then all of a sudden, you know, you and I are stuck being like, oh, well, if Dr. Seuss did this, then and we're having an argument about Dr. Seuss and not an argument about health care or a universal basic income. Like, right, you know, right. Slate, Slate is the embodiment of all of that. He's the embodiment of all of that scum. And for those of you who are reality TV junkies. They are those people are always behind the scenes. Uh, you know, we've you know, we've worked in reality TV before and, you know, you know that they they manufacture a lot of stuff that that happens there. I was at um at the in-laws house for Easter and uh, um uh, Bar Rescue was on and and my father in law is like, you know, why do they have to yell at the guy in front of all of his customers? Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I'm like, it's because it's not real. That's right, that's why right. you know they set all of these situations up. You know, we we had a friend who was on Bar Rescue, and you know they you know he told us how how they set the whole situation up. So fuck Slate, <laughs> and um, my favorite yeah. part is the last page. But we'll we'll get to that at the end. Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> I mean, we should talk about Chris, right? Uh, yeah, Jesus the title Christ character. himself. He so he's cloned uh, from the Shroud of of Turin or the Holy Shroud. Um, I, I don't know how familiar you are with this. I kind of had to look it up to remind myself, but, um, basically it depa- it's supposedly the flame de- of Udun. Is that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which- <laughs> it, it's supposedly, uh, they, people claim that it has the image of Jesus imprinted in it and you can, you can actually see him. Uh, the fabric, um, was supposedly wrapped around Jesus, um, after his crucifixion. And, you know, scientists have proven that it, it is, you know, from that time period that Jesus would supposedly be from. Uh, other than that, I think it's pretty impossible to obviously prove anything beyond that. But Yeah, you know, I mean, it's... Dr. Epstein at the end says that the sample she was given was actually a few days old, not Yeah, well, she, she never even sees the shroud. She's given a sample of DNA uh, from Slate. And Slate will go to whatever means necessary to hide the truth and manipulate this program. Um, you know, and, and so we don't really know whose DNA Chris is actually comes from. We don't know whose real father is, but to the world, he's Jesus. And it's really sad because the, the, the first years of his life, you know, that's all he's taught. He's, he's not allowed to learn about, uh, you know, uh, science and, and Epstein fights this a lot. And she, she says that he should be learning, but Slate refuses. So he only learns about about his the history of Jesus Christ and, and religion and, and that's where those incidents come into be where he believes that he can perform miracles and he nearly drowns because he thinks he can walk on water uh, and you know it's it's really I think a, a sad childhood for him but you know luckily uh, Rebecca who we later learn is his his twin sister but we believe it you know to be just uh, Epstein's daughter is kind of a yeah. companion for him so you know he has at least one child to be friends with he's not allowed to go to public school he's not allowed to leave the island so he's got his mom he's got Thomas he has you know the polar bears 
and he has you know Rebecca and Epstein, and, and these are the only people he's really around. Um, and Tim, sorry, and Tim. And, and so you know his childhood's very very difficult, and you know eventually uh, it comes to the point where Gwen. Gwen is, you know, she needs to leave this island. She she can't deal with it anymore. You know, she actually kind of makes a deal with Slate at some point that if if uh, if Chris is allowed to kind of like live his life a little more, go to go to a public school, um, you know, not be so controlled that she'll she'll stop acting out. She'll stop making trouble for the show. And and to a degree, Slate does come through on this, right? I think he puts he puts uh, Chris into school. But at the same time, he also isn't totally honest with it, and eventually, you know, he he has. I think he has Chris go on to a to a, like an interview, right? And, and oh lie my about god, it. this is so heartbreaking. Yeah, the boiler room with Don Baker, who, you know, <laughs> I saw him at the beginning of the story and thought he was automatically going to be like some right wing commentator guy, but he is like the ideal what we would what we would want the media to be, right? Like he just asks, he has the right people on, he asks them questions, and he lets them do their thing. Yeah, I actually really enjoyed his his segments, yeah. you know. Cuz he even tells Chris, he's like, "Son, like we can help you. You can tell us the truth, you know. Is it true that, you know, that he uh that 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 Slate paid off your your prom date's family so that way you couldn't go because she was black and ended up hiring the head cheerleader as your prom date?" You know, is it true that let me let me look at the other stuff actually. It's it's pretty close to here. Uh, oh, but by the way, while I am, I see a wild comparison. Sorry, an uncanny comparison, probably between Gwen and Britney Spears. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. Yep. For those of you who are not aware, Britney Spears has been in a terrible uh, conservatorship uh, with her, you know, with her father, who, you know, when she was deemed mentally incompetent for a while, he took control of all of her finances and her children, and her children are constantly being thrown in her face as as bargaining chips and leverage, just as uh, Slate does with Gwen in this in this story. And, uh, you know, this isn't that far off from real life. We've seen it. We see someone like Britney Spears, quote unquote, losing her mind, right. but not knowing the true story about what drives people to to do this, to lash out. And if I didn't say it in the last, I think I did say it in the last one, you know, we, we always hold the, the oppressed to different standards than we hold the oppressors to. Yeah, I, I definitely, I mean, look at Britney, like you said, Britney Spears. I mean, she was, she was made fun of and ridiculed for years, right. By the media for, for her, you know, outbursts. And now, you know, you, you fast forward to today, people are finally coming to realize, you know, the, the difficult, you know, difficulties and hardships she's had to face and, you know, they're finally coming to her side, but it took how many years of abuse and, and just unfair, you know, situations for, for people to finally realize that, you know, she's being abused and, and, and not having what she deserves, you know, control of her own life. You know, but this is just another in a long, you know, a long history of, of not taking women seriously and trying to control them. You know, when we yep. do talk about mental health and in, in, in women and postpartum depression and stuff, you know, it's it's always like, oh, she's the emotional one and it's up to the man to, you know, to make her feel better. You know, so Don Baker says that uh, Daisy Milton, head of the NAC, the New American Christians, that she and Slate kind of arranged a ceasefire when Slate agreed to let, you know, to let Chris attend public school. And it's it's so weird that we see the NAC constantly flip flopping, right? But it does make sense because, you know, they're one second they're pissed off that Jesus is being cloned. They want to abort him. And the next second they're pissed off that Jesus is being abused and they believe he's Jesus. And, you know, and at the very end, they try to make peace like nothing 
ever happened, which is so, it's so 2021, right? All right, the last 40 years were rough. Let's forget all about Trump. Like, it, Yeah, exactly. Yep, exactly. But yeah, so Don Baker actually, you know, he tells Chris, he says, you know, is, is all of this true? And Slate is there coaching him and won't let him speak out. Uh, and seeing, speaking as someone who has had a similar uh, upbringing, uh, as in having a, a narcissistic, manipulative man control you and coach you and manipulate your, your mentally ill and uh, vulnerable mother into insanity or into looking like a bad mom when she's really just reacting the way anyone would. Right. Uh, I can say that, yeah, this is this is pretty accurate. And Don says, I've watched you grow up, son. I know you're shy, but the media can help you. If something happened, then you need to tell us. And Chris just starts crying. And, um, and Chris, uh, you know, ends up lying, lying right to the, to the camera at Mr. Slate's behest. You know, he says, uh, Mr. Slate didn't do anything wrong. He's always done the best. And it's because his mother is also being used as leverage against him. You know, he doesn't want Slate to hurt his mom or take his mom away. And that that was one of the most heartbreaking moments for me to just see Chris have to have to lie like that uh, on national television. You know, as we see with a lot of people who are abused, it's so it's so much more difficult to ask for help than you really think it is. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's even worse when you find out the, his reason for doing it is because he wants to keep his mom on the show, right? He wants to keep his mom with him because Slate told him his mom would be fired if he didn't lie. And that's, that's just so manipulative and, and horrible because he really does love his mom. He wants his mom with him. Even if, you know, she's not always, always there, uh, you know, mentally because she's checked out at times, but I think there's no there's no denying that she loves him and he loves her, uh, you know. And this is the point where she actually pulls Thomas's gun, right? Because Thomas has a soft spot for her. He cares about her, and you know she jumps from a, from I think from a tree, and she's like, "You'll catch me, right?" And he catches her, and and she pulls his gun and and uh, shoots at Slate because she can't do this anymore. And you know Thomas won't let her let her commit murder, but he also doesn't want to you know hurt her, stop her. And and ultimately she winds up, you know, escaping from from this facility, right? She she you know she she leaves and um, she's fired from the show, and, and you know she tells Thomas to protect Chris, to take care of him, while she's gone. And uh, I think she goes to a hospital. She has some injuries, and you know uh, she has this like. This moment where she she remembers jumping off the the jumping out the window of the hospital and being saved by an angel, and you know she has the markings on her arms, even if the hospital staff claims that it's not possible. The windows don't open up there, but she really believes an angel saved her, and she she ultimately decides to join up with the NAC to to team up with them, take down J two and and save Chris, uh, you know. And again, I think this is an idea of noble intentions, but going about it the wrong way. The only thing I think she did wrong was knowing that Thomas whooped their asses all the time. Yeah, I mean, there, there have we, they did allude to um, NAC training camps, like for a Jesus Army in the Midwest, but you know, Milton kind of refused to acknowledge it. Um, but yeah, they <laughs> that was the biggest mistake because honestly, you know, if it didn't kill a polar bear. I I would have absolutely taken, you know, taken an army to this island to rescue my son and murder Slate, you know? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, but she, you know, she she went up with extremists who, you know, despite being on his mother's side, later on try to kill him, right? Right. Oh, and succeed. 
Sorry. Um, we we already we already said that there was a spoiler warning, but I forgot it actually is them, right? But yeah, you know, this attack on the island it, it ends in Cola dying, right? Saving Thomas. It en- it ends in Gwen being crushed in in a, in doors, right? Crushing these electronic doors. That yeah, that it, Slate does intentionally. Yeah, I mean, it's I think it's pretty obvious that Slate did kill her, even if you know they can't prove it. Uh, and and it's this this moment that's really like you know defining for everybody. I think I think it's a moment where Thomas considers killing Slate for this uh, and breaking his vow. You know, it's a moment where Chris I think is just done. He's done with this act. He's done with the show. Now that he's lost his mom for good, uh, it it you know it's a really defining moment for the rest of the series. And I think it's kind of like almost like part two from here on out, right? Where we see like the rebellious stage. Uh, where, where Chris starts to kind of defy everything that he's grown up learning about, you know, and he starts to, to hate religion and, 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 you know, fight against it. And he wants to, to kind of break out and make a name for himself elsewise. And, uh, you know, Thomas is, is so angry and, and upset. And, you know, Gwen really did have, a, have a, an important place in the hearts of these people, even if she didn't realize, you know, how, how much she meant to them. Yeah, I want to talk about uh, Chris's radicalization because even before his mom returns with the NAC after writing her number one bestseller book that they that they helped her uh, fund <laughs> and uh, you know she uh, before that like Chris is he you know he starts rebelling but all he has is anger you know he he starts you know spray painting everything and breaking windows and mirrors and stuff uh, all he has is anger but after his mom dies it really you know, starts giving him, I guess, I guess more direction. And I think it kind of, it kind of gives other people direction too, because Slate hasn't actually killed anyone other than a baby uh, up to this <laughs> point, uh, you know, as far as we know, you know, but at this point we see Tim, you know, he starts running with Chris. He starts, you know, uh, working out with him. We see that he teaches him, like I said before, how to, how to uh, hotwire the holographic room to teach him real stuff. Um, you know, Tim actually gives all of Thomas's punk rock albums and vinyls because CDs aren't allowed in unless it's Christian rock. Uh, you know, he gives all of the all the vinyls to Chris, so he starts learning about punk rock. He starts learning about fighting the establishment and Epstein. For her, you know, for her part in this, you know, she also is helping him. Like they're all kind of helping him get ready to become what he's going to be. And she's bringing in books, so he's learning Darwinism and stuff like that. Right. And uh, and yeah, it all comes. Uh, this this is one of my favorite parts. And uh, is it cool if I read his entire uh, monologue here? Yeah, sure. Or did you want to read it? Do you want to go halvesies? Sure. You know, Slate finally lets Chris off of the island for an appearance at the Grammys, uh, where, you know, because he is a media whore at heart, uh, Slate. And uh, Chris decides that, you know, with the help of Rebecca, that he's going to make he's going to make a statement. So he shaves his head, you know, puts it up in a mohawk, pierces his ears, uh, comes out in suspenders and striped pants. And, you know, uh, and and it's amazing because Slate doesn't know what he looks like yet. It's and so he's good. just there behind him triumphantly and he's saying give it up for jesus christ and he is like the most like rebellious looking motherfucker 
He says, well, sorry to fucking disappoint you, but I am not Jesus Christ. Religion is dangerous. It impedes human progress like a virus. It's a global opiate for the masses. It numbs us with feel-good magical thinking and inflates our egos. Two billion people starve each day while America hoards global resources for obscene overconsumption. We're gorging on oil, fast food, and entertainment while we remain isolated from the true cost of our habits. And I'm the embodiment of it. It was only a matter of time before you created me, wasn't it? For 14 years, you've borne witness as Rick Slate fucked with every aspect of my life, all for your personal entertainment. And when that wasn't good enough, what did he do? He killed my mom. Sometimes I wish I was Jesus Christ, and that this was the second coming. Then I could take you all to hell. And he fucking sprints out of there because he's been training. Nobody could fucking catch him. Um, and Tim, uh, what a great line. Cause Tim is, uh, the head of security now that Thomas has been fired. Right. And, uh, and he says, keep running, Chris, please don't let us catch you. Yeah. I mean, it's so, I mean, it's a great speech and it just kind of summarizes everything that's wrong with the world, with the system, you know, Chris is, he's calling it out now. Um, and I think he's just, he's just had enough and he's someone who's, who's lived and breathed his, his entire birth is based upon this idea that he's Jesus Christ and him rebelling against that is, is obviously going to change the world. Um, I think the, the one thing that that kind of goes wrong is that Chris gets so caught up in his journey of trying to fight against religion and, and spread his message that he loses sight of, of the really important parts, right. Of, of the people and friends that he has. And, he ultimately gets a lot of people killed, including himself, by doing this and, and trying to, you know, kind of pushing to the point where I think he needed to pull back a little bit. Um, you know, and he, he does mention how, you know, media was his greatest enemy growing up and now it's his greatest ally. It's a thing keeping him alive. It's it's keeping G2 from killing him. And, uh, you know, it's, it's the one thing that he has that he can speak to the masses with. But again, you know, when he ultimately decides to go to, uh, Jerusalem, right, to do a concert. And Specifically now he, to be an edgelord. <laughs> like, yeah, he wants to real. piss like, off everybody. Yeah, you he's know, a he's, dick he's, of a 16-year-old kid or whatever. <laughs> exactly, and, you know, it's it's a really risky move, and, and members of his band think it's cool, and they're like, this is so metal, bro, you know? And, and But by going there, he's now, you know, Thomas tells him, I, I can't protect you there, right? Like, you know, it's one thing to be dealing with these, like, half-assed trained religious nuts but to go to you know another country where you have all these different religious organizations and terrorist groups and and people that could you know that can join forces to kill you he's like i can't protect you from all of them and and he can't right and and you know though chris isn't killed here uh you know um, i think the, uh, rabbit right is her name? rabbit yeah yeah rabbit you know one of the members uh, of the band she gets killed and Chris is actually taken by one of these groups, and Thomas has this this huge moment where he has to decide whether he's going to keep his promise to marry, uh, you know, and not commit another murder, or keep his promise to Gwen, Chris's mom, who he kind of sees as Mary as well. Yes, and, he does. He sees them as, as the same. Yeah, person. right. And he, you know, his promise to her to protect Chris, and he sees them both. And he doesn't know what to do, and he's so confused because he's like, "Why would you ask me to do this conflicting thing? What am I supposed to do here?" Uh, and and he chooses to save Chris, and he he murders this man that's holding him at gunpoint, and then he fucking butchers all these other guys, right? He just goes crazy, and yeah, there's a know, lot of extremists he takes out in order yeah, to save uh, he just, Chris's he just life. Murders them all, and and 
you know, the idea that he could be damning himself to hell, I think, is 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 something that should be, you know, should be remembered here. That's how important his promise to Gwen is. And, you know, I think he's angry with Chris here, but we do realize he loves him too, right? You know, in a way, he was he was kind of like a father to Chris. He 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 raised him and and you know has been with him almost every step of his life and, and protected his journey. him. Yeah, I mean, even in his punk rock phase, here he is by his side protecting him again. You know, and he keeps telling Chris is because he thinks he's Jesus Christ. Um, and I think part of him really does believe that, but part of him also loves him. Yeah, just for the person he is. This takes me back to when I was I was working at the Chinese restaurant, and it was uh it was um Lent or or it was. Good Friday is during Lent, right? And then Easter comes. Yeah. A uh, point is, point is, people don't eat meat on Fridays. And uh, this woman came in and ordered a bunch of like seafood dishes, and then she got boneless ribs for her son because she said her son wouldn't eat seafood. To me, that says that you take being a parent more seriously than you take your faith, right? Because if you truly believe that your kid would go to hell for not eating seafood, you know, or for for eating meat, I mean. You know, there's plenty of good vegetarian dishes I could tell you now, um, but uh, you know, but it's one way to get revenge. Yeah, these were her only options, right? But she she went against her faith to to provide for her child, which I which I thought was interesting. And and Thomas's story is Thomas's and and Chris's story both both harken back to my favorite quote ever from the Star Wars franchise when Rose Tico said. We don't win by killing what we hate. We win by saving what we love. And just like what, you know, just um, what you said, by the way, guys, I I honestly don't have a problem with Rose Tico. That's not my favorite quote. I just think it's funny because everyone always says that quote's ridiculous. But, you know, but that's kind of the, you know, the point here is that Chris, like you said, he forgot, you know, what he was fighting for by concentrating so much on what he was fighting against. You know, he was fighting against religion and he was he made it his goal to piss off everybody as much as possible. And, you know, despite the fact that, you know, his his band was a humanitarian band, you know, they you know, they have um, uh, they won a Nobel Peace Prize uh, for a science awareness campaign and also for a program to help the poor. Um, and even though the, the, the new American Christians didn't like that for some reason, they still call him the Antichrist, even though he's helping the poor. Yeah, I mean that's the irony, right? He's using all the money that he's making to to basically make the world better. <laughs> and which is what Jesus yeah. supposedly would do. He's actually yes. kind of living up to what Jesus Christ who he was. Yeah, in in trying so hard not to be Jesus, he does become a messiah. But yeah, I mean, you know, he has all these people, these fans, right? That his army, so to speak, they will fight for him, they will die for him because they believe in his message and his cause. And, you know, it just shows how influential he is, uh, you know. And, and again, you know, he's not actually Jesus Christ, right? He just He's just a kid. And yet he was able to use this platform and his, you know, he's incredibly intelligent, right? They say that he's he's brilliant. Um, and he, he uses this to try and make the world a better place. But he does pay with his life. You know, he comes back to the United States and he goes, you know, on that uh, to interview on, was it the boiler room? Uh, yeah, the and, boiler room. And the NAC winds up attacking them, and they decide, you know, they're not going to let him leave. And, you know, Thomas, uh, you know, has a nice moment with them where he's he's going to sacrifice himself so they, you know, they can all escape. And we find out that, you Hold know. Hold on a second. Before this, Chris is a fucking asshole 
because he's he intentionally tells uh, Thomas, I'm not Jesus Christ. He does. You know? And I'm like, he dude, does. at a certain point, you know what this means to him. Don't be a fucking asshole. Like, he just saved your life. He just broke a fucking blood oath, you know, that meant the world to him. Also, when he meets the kid with leukemia from the Make-A-Wish Foundation, uh, who is religious but loves the flak jackets, and right. he's like, I don't know, is Make-A-Wish a religious organization? Like, he doesn't want to meet this kid if, if yeah. it's a religious organization. And like, It's like, dude, like to a certain extent, you, and I think you and I have kind of come around to this also, right? This idea that, you know, nothing really is black and white. And, you know, you really have to look at the conditions that make a person before you judge a person's individual choice, a person's individual choices. You know, nothing, nothing happens in a, in a vacuum. And so it might be easy for us to say, you know, oh, well, this person voted for this person to fuck them or this person, you know, believes in that. So fuck them or this person drives a car or eats meat. <laughs> so so fuck them. And like you just you you can't make any progress that way by closing off so many people. And just as you've, you've said so many times before, you know, you really have to know your place in the, in the quote unquote revolution. You have to know your place, uh, you know, going forward. And, um, we'll talk about Rebecca in a little bit as we near the end of the story, but Rebecca, despite not being a huge part of the story is one of the most important characters of right. the of the book, you know, because yep. she facilitates a lot. You know, she gives Thomas his motorcycle back. She gives Chris all of his all of his punk rock gear, and and you know she she's there as the voice of reason. She's there along alongside him, and uh, and there to like I said to speak reason to him. She's kind of his morality, right? She's the one that pushes him to meet this Make a Wish kid. You know, she she's uh, she keeps him grounded. But you know, I, I he is a kid. And I think he that is. you got to remember that, you know, kids can be little He's assholes, right? We, yes, we were, <laughs> but I think yep. most importantly is imagine if the whole world told you that you're uh, Neil Armstrong, <laughs> you know what I mean? And you're like, I'm not Neil Armstrong, I'm Mike. And they're like, no, you're, you're Neil Armstrong, you know? And I think he just wants to say, like, I'm not Jesus Christ, I'm Chris. You know, I, I have my own identity, my own personality, and my own path. And he's he's sick of people calling him something that he's not. And, you know, even though it's hurtful and maybe he should, you know, be the bigger man and not say this to Thomas, I think he wants Thomas to acknowledge that he loves him and not Jesus. He loves he loves Chris. Ooh, I like that a lot. I like that a lot. I didn't I that that never crossed my mind once at all. But but yeah, you know, because we kind of forget to see Chris as a as a person with flaws because we are so enamored by his by his zeal. You know, we are so and that like, you know, he kind of reminds me of Fred Hampton, right? Who was yeah. also a kid. Yep. <laughs> yep. But yeah, you know, maybe he, that is what he wanted. He wanted Thomas to be, you know, to especially he had his mother taken away from it at, at such a young age. Only the only reason people ever associated with him was because of who he was supposed to be and not who he actually is. So that that is that's a really great point. Thank you for bringing that up. Oh, my pleasure. Oh, the pleasure is mine. Yeah, well, you know what's interesting is at the very end, right before Chris dies, uh, you know, when Thomas tells them to go in the helicopter and leave, he'll hold them off. Uh, you know, Chris says, no, you would never leave us behind. And, and Thomas goes, go. And Chris says, you were right, Thomas, but I was too upset to listen. I could have ended this when I had the chance, but instead I chose mm-hmm. to put you all in more danger. But you don't need to do this. I'm not Jesus Christ. I'm just another dumb, stupid teenager, and I'm not worth the sacrifice. And Thomas says, I, I know- can do the Irish Oh, yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. You <laughs> do- yeah. Offend all the Irish people now. Come on. I know you're not really Jesus Christ. I'm only doing this because I promised your mom. That's actually a Scottish accent. 
It really is. I I, I lost my Irish accent oh, because man. I got so good at the Scottish one. I'm really I can't I don't think I could do a deep one. What is what does an Irish person sound like? I know <laughs> not you're not really Jesus Christ. I'm only doing this because I promised your mom. <laughs> I mean it's a, it's better. It's Hard better. stars and horseshoes. <laughs> Oh, Jesus. Saving Jesus clone and a red balloon. I'm sorry. I ruined this moment. <laughs> what is, what does Thomas say, Ty? Can you please tell he me? Says, I know you're not really Jesus Christ. I'm only doing this because I promised your mom. And Chris says you're lying. But then they embrace, you know, and, and they have this moment. Where you, I, and I don't know. I'm not sure, you know, if Thomas believes he's Jesus Christ or not in this moment. But I think it doesn't matter. And I don't think it matters to Chris in the end. It doesn't matter to Thomas in the end because at the end of the day, you know, they care about each other and, and Thomas wants to save him regardless of, of who he really is, right? Uh, and unfortunately, he's not able to. You know, Chris is killed here. And it's really tragic. And it's and there's a monument built to him. Uh, you know, the people remember, you know, what, what he did and what he went through and, you know, the sacrifice he made. Um, and uh, this is, by the way, this is a very Terminator 2 moment here is as it? I'm looking at this page where he says goodbye to them and he's just oh, this, yeah, he's yeah, got yeah. this leather jacket and this little punk is like, come on, man, we can do it together. We can go. Just imagine if Arnold Schwarzenegger was Irish <laughs> and you got You go, no, oh, wait, I got this. What did he say? He goes, I your know mom. you're not really Jesus Christ. I'm only doing this because I promised your mom. Your mom. <laughs> that one I can do. Good. I <laughs> your mom. <laughs> I'm Irish. Come on. This is an Irish accent. <laughs> Get to the chopper. <laughs> <laughs> Literally get to the chopper. It's going to get shot down and you're going to die. Um, oh my gosh. Uh, <laughs> we have fun here at the podcast, yeah, folks. Yeah. I love when I love when they the statues there like what do you think? And Rebecca puts the punk bracelet around the wrist. Thomas says that I think he says now nah, it looks like Chris. <laughs> that was good. That was um and so uh so Rebecca inherited J2, right? Yeah. Now, have all of the crimes come out cuz Slate is free to go. But he kind of talks his way out of this. Yeah, I think some of his crimes have come out, but not, yeah. not quite all of them, you know. Um, basically, he says he never lied. You know, they, they say that you claimed the child was Jesus Christ. And he just says, you know, I believe in my heart that Chris was the second coming of Jesus Christ. He was born of a virgin, performed miracles, and rebelled against social norms, devices uh, to believers. He found many disciples and was killed for his preaching. How much more convincing do you need? And the American flag is behind them. I mean, oh, how much perfect. How much better does that get than, you know? And again, he talks his fucking way out of really getting in trouble. And so there's a settlement. And that's why Rebecca gets the island. It's a, it's a settlement from the company. And, and, and all the people who were helped rebuild it, rebuilding it were, you know, are, are part of Chris's uh, punk rock army, you know? Yep, yep. And, and then shortly after... Uh, because, so this this really made me think, you know, because you, you if you if you do believe in a heaven or hell, you do want to believe that the that the unjust people will get their comeuppance. But right. This this whole end scene kind of made me think, like, is it worth it, though? Like, like, let's be real. If you live a life born with a silver spoon in your mouth and you are part of that one percent and you get to spend your entire life crushing others and getting getting every single whim that you want, like catered to, like. Is there really a torture in hell that can make up for it? They say there is. They say there is. I think if you believe in hell, then yes. <laughs> but if you don't believe in hell, then no. I mean, I mean, it's as simple as that, you know? Yeah, that's true. But yeah, this, I mean, this whole last scene is just, you know, it's so good. This reveal is, uh, as Dr. Epstein tells 
tells Thomas, you know, Rebecca was actually, you know, that little girl that was was injected with poison or sedative and drowned, and she survived it. In cold-ass water where she would have had, you know, hypothermia. Yeah, and she pulled through. She pulled through. She said, I attempted to call it a miracle. Aha! And it, it's like such a Jesus Christ moment, right? But nobody yep. in the whole world knows this except for Dr. Epstein and now Thomas. Yeah, that that's, that's great because cause I like this idea that, you know, while Murphy, you know, you would think he doesn't believe in religion at all, but he puts this character in. Yeah, I you mean, know, he said he's an atheist. He said he's an atheist, you know, if you read yeah. the, the afterwards. But, like, I think he, he also wanted to give it a more nuanced touch than, than, you know, it would have been if he just took one stance here. And, you know, there's that possibility maybe maybe there really is something to this to this miracle. But, you know, Thomas is so, he's so angry, right? You know, this is where he tells, he tells Epstein, if you had told me, you know, I would have I would have done something with the psychopath. You know, I wouldn't I wouldn't have let him get away with all this. Um, and then Epstein says, you know, unlike you, I don't believe in an afterlife where slate will burn for eternity. If there's no justice now, there never will be. Tell me honestly, after all the things you've seen these last fifteen years, do you still believe in God? Is there a hell for people like Slate? And what if you're wrong? And what does Thomas do? So we see Slate in his fucking in his new sports car and he's working on, you know, a new show. He's like, what if we bring Muhammad back instead this time? You know, we'll let the J2 nonsense die down and, and you know, then we'll do Muhammad. There's way more uh, Muslims in the world than Christians. And while he's driving, Thomas fucking drives up right next to him on his bike, you know, pulls him out of the driver's side window, drags him on the, the asphalt. And um and oh what does Slate say? He goes and I'll never try to drown a child again. I promise. Like like you know he admitted what he did and says like oh I won't do it again. Blah blah. blah. And he tries to buy him off too, but it's yeah. it's too little, too late. And Thomas, after fucking dragging him along the asphalt, lets him go right in front of a fucking Mack truck with a big splat and the end. And that's the last page. He gets justice, right? He gets justice. <laughs> and I think it's interesting because besides being you know, awesome and seeing Slate get, you know, his just desserts here. Um, it, it, I don't know if I would say that Thomas's faith is broken, but he wasn't willing to put, uh, you know, put it to chance. He wasn't willing to hope that Slate would burn an eternity in hell. You know, he decided to make sure that he got his punishment. And I think a, a big part also, because, you know, because I've been, I don't know, I've kind of been thinking about it, right? You, you can't help but think when you find all the problems with your own country, what would you do if you were running it? And, you know, while we do talk about all the, all the terror of, of the prison industrial complex, like there are definitely some people who cannot be in society. But, you know, I think you want to know that those who have done those terrible things have learned from them and won't do them again. And Slate is the type of person that will do them again. And by keeping someone like him alive, you are continuing to let other people be hurt. And that that is the injustice. Yeah. You know, and this is somebody who speaks out against the death penalty as, you know, as it currently operates in the United States. Yeah, I same. Do you have any final thoughts, man? Uh just I really enjoy this comic, you know. I think Sean Murphy's art's great. I think his storytelling is really, really strong and uh, again, I, I enjoyed it more upon the second reading, even though I really loved it back when I first read it. Uh, but I, like you mentioned, I don't think we got all the, all the, all the themes and nuances that he was going for here. You know, I didn't, I wasn't as uh, anti-establishment when I first read it. It wasn't as, you know, uh, 
informed on American politics and, uh, you know, our place in, in the world. And I think, you know, reading this, it made a lot more sense. Um, I also didn't know much about the IRA back then, and I learned a lot more over the years since, so that was cool, too. Yeah, <laughs> the whole reason to drink the Irish car bomb exists is because that's what they're fucking known for. Yeah. <laughs> I had no idea for such a long time, and then I was like, oh, yikes. And it is a car bomb that, that murders that little girl in the school bus in, yep. in, in Thomas's flashback. Exactly, so. yeah. Uh, yeah. You know. But uh, I think Sean Murphy did a really good job kind of telling a story that was both pro and anti-religion and even pro and anti-science, you know, because again, this is all caused by science in here, even though you could also argue that science is going to save the world, right? That's, that's what the whole point of it was. So I think, you know, he, he takes, um, he does a good job kind of balancing that and not, you not make shaming any, anybody in particular for, for their beliefs. But, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a great story. Yeah, uh, just like the you know the little boy with leukemia, he's probably not a little boy. He's probably a teenager in the story. But just like he says, he says, "I like having my faith challenged." And yeah. I think I think we should all we should all approach our own ideologies with a similar you know a similar attitude. That you know, like I have just learned about communism this past year, and you know I am more than willing to to have my beliefs challenged. And guess what? If I'm not able to provide a good you know a good a good retort then I can now learn more. So that way I'm prepared for next time. Like I can learn more and I can, and you know, like just instead of just having the blind rage, like Chris had, you know, finally put it into something more constructive. And, and I think that that is, uh, you know, that that's important. And so if you're the person who's listening to this and you do, you know, subscribe to a certain faith, then you, you should also want to have your, your faith challenged. And you know, the stuff that you can't defend, you can leave that stuff behind the stuff that you can, you can really lean into that and 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 you know use it to be to be a good you know better person hopefully hopefully yeah just like you i really liked this comic when i first read it and i didn't appreciate it until i read it again now and uh and wow um and for those of you who haven't listened to any punk rock do that uh yeah. we you know we didn't really we didn't go lead into it too much but you know, pretty much, I, I know, like, we came in a little bit late. Like, I, you know, I came in with, like, Blink-182, Rise Against, and, right, you know, right. those are those are kind of more, like, you know, New Wave and stuff like that. You know, but, you know, oh, Anti-Flag, Anti-flag which is, yeah. you know, also newer and fucking awesome. We've, we've played some of their songs in previous episodes back when we could do that. <laughs> um, but, uh, but, but, yeah, d- definitely, folks, listen to some punk rock, because especially if you're living in, like, a place where you are the minority as far as like your beliefs goes, like listening to punk is really, you know, a great way to just be like, wow, I'm not alone. Other people think the same stuff and they say it loud and proud. Exactly. You know, like Chris used it to to get his message across and find like-minded people. So can you. So uh, give it a listen. And the most punk rock thing you can do, folks, is... I was about to say leave a five-star review. I knew, um, I thought so. <laughs> <laughs> I was all, no, the most punk rock thing you can do is find whatever makes you different and and excel at it and use that to spread to to share your message and share your experience. And then after that, leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, especially if you want it read at the top of the show. And uh, you know you can rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts to gr- and subscribe. Also, please, even if you don't listen to all of our episodes as soon as they come out, it really helps. Uh, you know, helps out the show. You can find us on YouTube. 
Twitter at PolitiPopPod, Instagram at PolitiPopCast. Uh, email us at PolitiPopCast at gmail.com if you have any any thoughts. And you can find our show notes and sources at PolitiPopPodcast.wordpress.com. And as always, special thanks to all of you and to Antonia Hava for logo design. Ty, next week I want to do your one-year review. Whoa. That's right. A year in review. April 10th. I believe was uh, was was Ty's first podcast with with Parasite. Uh, so that'll be tomorrow for all you listeners. So next week we're gonna have a nice little review in which Ty and I just kind of go back through all the episodes we've done together, and we just discuss like, you know, what what this past year has been like for us as far as the podcast goes, and you know, and I'm gonna be just appreciating Tyler and showering him with compliments. You know, standing a true Kang. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> And uh, and then we also uh, we also have uh, Batman Month in May, I believe. So we have we have some fun stuff coming up there. <laughs> oh yes, that's we... right. Are we doing a housekeeping this month, or do we have one more thing that we were gonna do? Um, I think we're doing housekeeping. With that being said, thank you so much for listening, folks. For the Politipop Podcast, I have been Mike Booch. I have been Ty. And remember, no matter what you're reading, what you're watching, what you're listening to, no matter what what God you're praying to, what faith you're practicing. Uh, Never stop thinking, never stop learning, and always remember to read between the lines. And scene. Oh, baby.